Well, good evening. Uh, this is Pastor Wayne Moose with Lakeside Church in Yakinville. Um, today, of course, is Wednesday, and we are so appreciative that you guys uh, are here with us and joining us tonight to be a part of our midweek Bible study. I know that the background looks a little bit different uh, than what you guys have been accustomed to. Um, as you know, we are under um, a mandate from the state of North Carolina, as much as, as is most of the country, and um, stating that we cannot gather uh, with more than 10. Um, we are able to do our Sunday morning and Sunday night service with uh, praise and worship and preaching, but we uh, felt that it was best to be able to uh, bring the Bible study to you this Wednesday night from the comfort here of my home, my office. Uh, so this is my office, is what you see. In the background, this is where I do all my studying and preparing of the messages. But be that as it may, nevertheless, it doesn't matter uh, where the setting is, as long as God's Word is going forth, uh, that is all that matters. And so tonight we will uh, be bringing uh, the uh, part three of Justification by Faith to you guys uh, and we'll give to you what we believe that the Lord has given uh, to us. But just a few announcements. Um, again, we are in Yakinville, and we planted the church three and a half weeks ago. Uh, we did not know that when we took upon this uh, responsibility, this role, this privilege and door that the Lord had opened for us, uh, that this would be happening. But it did not catch God by surprise. But nonetheless, uh, God is doing great things in and through our services. Uh, in fact, just this past Sunday, we received notification um, from a dear brother that he had given his heart back to the Lord through the word that was brought forth. So we are just so thankful, you know, uh, that God's spirit is not bound. And we say it all the time, is not bound before walls. But it is going forth uh, through the airwaves, through the camera, whatever. As long as God's word is going forth, it will do what it is intended to do because it will not return void. That is his word and that is what we stand on. Uh, again, uh, this Sunday morning, we will have our uh, live services. Again, we will have praise and worship there within the sanctuary and the word being brought forth at 10.30 a.m. and at 6 p.m. Um, we um, was going to do a breakfast for the first responders in the police department and the sheriff's department of uh, Yakinville, April the 18th, but because of what is going on, we have had to put that on hold, and when we have a future date of that, we will let you guys know that way, uh, if you want to be a part of that and help us with that, um, you can, uh, but like I said, until we uh, get further instruction as to what is going to have to be done, we will um, let you guys know, okay? So anyway, uh, we will uh, read uh, one scripture verse, but before we do that, again, let's just lift up our country uh, before the Lord. Uh, we are in a crucial time, uh, and a time where, and I believe it's in Hosea, it says it is time to seek the Lord. And I am encouraged because I do believe uh, that what God has commanded us to do in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, saying that if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves down, pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways, then will he hear from heaven, forgive us of our sins and heal our land. And I do believe that there is an awakening. There is an awakening going on in the church today. Uh, we pray for revival. And I believe, though, an awakening needed to take place before uh, we have this revival. And I believe that it's happening. I believe there's a stirring that's going on in God's people. 
now more than ever before. And let me tell you, you need to be making this uh, situation, this coronavirus, this sickness, what is going on in the world today, a matter of prayer, not just every day, but really an hour by hour thing because there are so many that is affected by this. But we know that God is the solution and we know that in just one word, he can lift this off. And so again, we want to lift up those that are uh, uh, serving in our medical um uh, areas of it, our doctors, our nurses, as well as those that are all across this country and across this world, and just believe God that He will lift uh, this off of this world. Um, I have never seen anything to, uh, in the likes of it as far as in my lifespan, and I can tell you that it is a sobering thought as to what is taking place. But God is still God. Amen. God is still God, and he is still upon the throne. Nothing catches him by surprise. Though man may be running around and not sure what to do, we know who holds the answer. We know who is in control. He is still upon his throne. Amen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get into the scripture, and uh, we'll see what the Lord has got for us tonight. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight. In the name of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we are so thankful for the privilege and the opportunity, Lord, to access the throne of grace. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for all of your blessings, Lord, with the greatest being the precious blood of Jesus Christ that flowed from Calvary 2,000 years ago, Lord, so that we could stand here today, Lord, and be sanctified and justified, Lord, so that we can be here today in right relationship with you, God, we bring the needs of the people before you right now, Lord, and you know those that are watching right now, God, and you know those that will watch, and Lord, I know that there are needs in each and every single one of their heart, but God, you have told us to come unto you, Lord, and to lay them all down, Lord, knowing that, God, you are more than able. God, we still believe that you can do exceedingly and abundantly of that which we ask or even thank God. So, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would meet every need of the people that is watching tonight, God, Lord, whether it be in the physical, Lord, whether it be financial, Lord, emotional or spiritual, God, you are the answer for it all and what you there did at Calvary's cross, Lord. So, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move upon them, Lord God, and bring to them, Lord God, the needs that are in their life, Lord. God, we lift up our country before you, Lord, in this world at this time, Lord God, uh, of devastation that is going on. But, Lord, we trust you, Lord. And we're just asking, Lord, that you would give the wisdom, Lord God, to the medical experts, Lord, that, God, you would give them knowledge that will surpass, Lord, human intellect, Lord, as to what to handle, Lord. God, you are the only one that is able, God. We don't turn to Washington. We don't turn to government leaders. But, Lord, we turn to you, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is able to do any and all things, Lord, the one that still possesses the power, God. You are the only one, Lord, that we turn to. And, God, I pray, Lord, that your people, Lord, would seek your face now more than ever before in these last days, Lord. And God, we still believe, Lord, that the best is yet to come. We still believe, Lord, that in these last days that you are going to pour out your spirit in a mighty, mighty way, Lord God. And Lord, that it will usher in a harvest of souls, Lord, for the kingdom. God, we ask, Lord, that tonight you would help us, Lord, to rightly divide your word, to teach your word, Lord, that, God, you would anoint us, Lord, God, with your anointing, Lord, that makes the difference, and, Lord, that every word that is spoken, Lord, would be saturated, Lord, in the oil, and that, God, it would go forth, Lord, and it would fall upon good ground, Lord, God, and that it would bring forth good fruit in the hearts and lives of your people. God, we give you this time, Lord, and we thank you for it all, in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. So, dealing with... <clears throat> And the topic of justification, excuse me, by faith, this is a, 
a great topic that that one that is uh, a lot of times just skimmed over uh, one that a lot of times is just glazed by but we need to understand uh, that how we are justified because it is a big misconception in amongst uh, a lot of the church body not only that how we're saved but even how we stay saved and I spoke about it the last couple of weeks at the Bible study and we, we read scriptures there in chapter 3 and in chapter 4 of the book of Romans and how it was determined that the law could not save anyone. Uh, the law was never meant uh, for us to live by, but yet it was to show us that we are guilty. You and I and every person that has ever lived is guilty. Uh, the law was a mirror, if you will, to show us that we were insufficient to be able to keep it, and that and that within us, again, dwelleth no good thing, as the Bible says. Uh, when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, it plagued the entire uh, human race from then until the present day. And each and every person that has been born or that is alive today is guilty before God. And because of that guilt, there is an absence of peace if one is not covered by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And you think about that tonight. There are two classes of people that has walked upon this world today. That is those that are justified and those that are not justified. Those that are saved, those that are unsaved, those that are redeemed, and those that are not redeemed. And I can tell you that there are no levels of salvation. There are many times within uh, the Christianity there that we, we like to rank salvation. We like to rank how the ho holy some people are and, and think, well, these are more holier and these are more righteous. No, let me tell you, the one that had just got saved two minutes ago is just as saved as the one that's been serving the Lord all of their life. There are no different levels of salvation. No matter how weak one may be, as long as one has said yes to Jesus Christ and their faith is anchored in Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross, that individual is saved. That individual is a child of the Most High King. That individual is underneath the eye of the Father. That individual is blessed beyond measure, not because of anything that they've done, but because of the one whose faith they have in, and it is in Jesus Christ. Amen. But Romans 5 chapter 1, Romans 5 verse 1, the Bible says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, from this verse and really throughout this great chapter, Paul enlarges on the happiness and the security of the justified person and of their assurance of God's love and future blessings. And let me tell you something, there's nothing any greater, and that gives me more comfort tonight to know that it is well with my soul. You hear me tonight. There is nothing any greater than an individual that can say it is well with their soul. You know, there are many people that look at their jobs and they think that it's wonderful to have job security because there's such high demand. But let me tell you, the best security that you and I can have is not in our 401k, it's not in an IRA, it's not in a job, but it is knowing that it is well with your soul. It is knowing that you can lay down your head tonight upon your pillow and know that if you should not wake up in the morning that your eyes will open up and you will see Jesus. It is knowing that without a shadow of a doubt that your sins are covered by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It is knowing that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And there's nothing that makes me any more happier. 
We can go to all of the destinations upon the world. You can travel to the, uh, to the most remote islands and see the wonders of the world, but there is nothing that brings me more pleasure and there is nothing that makes me any happier than to say it is well with my soul, than to say that I know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Amen. And so we've been discussing this great doctrine of justification by faith. And from chapter 3, we come to the conclusion that man is guilty of sin. You read in Romans chapter 1 all the way to Romans chapter 3 verse 20 and you see how man is in need of righteousness. And we see that in chapter 3 that all man is guilty of sin and has fallen short of the glory of God. You and I and everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. And it doesn't matter uh, how old you were when you got saved. You had fell short of the glory of God. And I will tell you that even though we are saved tonight, we still fall short of the glory of God. That is what it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in the Greek, it means um, that we're continuously coming short. You and I can never live up to the standard that God has set. Because you and I, we still possess the human nature. We still possess that sin nature, that which is corrupt. But thanks be to God that he's not looking at how I live. He's looking at my faith that's anchored in Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross. Amen. I live by the standard. I live by faith of the standard of the one that he sent. As Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In this life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and sent his own Son for me and died for me. That's how I live today. I've been crucified. I am dead. This is a new person that has been resurrected in front of you. One that is not in my own, but one that is in Christ Jesus. My identity is not in a denomination. My identity is not in who I sit up under and that I've heard him preaching. My identity is in Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross. Amen. And so Jesus Christ would become the offering and become the substitute for our sin so that one could be redeemed. And you've heard it said many times, and it is one of the greatest verses in Ephesians chapter 2 through uh, verse 8. It says, For by grace through faith and not of yourselves, you're saved because it is the gift of God. Let me tell you something. You can't work for this salvation. There are many that try to do great things. There are many that try to do good works to be in right standing with God. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter what you do or what you don't do. You will never be brought into right standing with the Lord all upon your own. You see, it is grace that saves us. And the channel for grace to flow into our heart and life, the channel is faith. It's faith. Faith is the trigger. It's the trigger that allows the work that Christ did on Calvary's cross to work in mind in your life. And the greatest work that he did at Calvary's cross was to become the sin offering, was to become the substitute for mining your sin. And by faith anchored in what he did, grace can now flow. You see, faith is the channel. It's the tunnel, if you will, for the grace of God to flow into my heart and into my life and into your heart and into your life. And all we have to do is evidence faith in Christ and what he's done. It is the most simplest thing <clears throat> in all of the world just to say, I believe. But yet it is the hardest thing for us to do because we won't, don't want to deny ourselves. Religious man does not want to deny themselves and realize and say that I can't save myself. 
We view Christ and what he did at the cross. And we think of the sufferings of what he did. And most religious people think, well, that was for so-and-so. Or that is all because of those that have committed great sins. But let me tell you, whether you did nothing in your whole life but have one bad thought, that merits you to eternally be damned into hell. Just tell, just having one bad thought is enough to eternally damn you and I to hell. But see, Christ came and paid the price so that you and I could be free, so that you and I can be saved. It's not by anything that we do or that we don't do. I had the erroneous idea of that when I was growing up, that, that, that my standing with the Lord was predicated upon what I did or what I didn't do. But let me tell you, my standing with the Lord is not predicated upon what I do or what I don't do, but it's predicated upon where my faith is at. And my faith is in Christ and what he's done. And that's why I stand justified tonight. That's why you, if you're saved and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, are justified tonight. Now, let me think about that. There is nothing any better than to say that I'm justified with God. And it's by your faith in Christ and what he's done that has made it all possible. So man has always tried to justify himself and bring himself into right relationship by the works of their own hands. Speaking of religious man. And Paul had to let these, these Jews here in chapter 4 know that and the law cannot justify anyone. And, they, and he used the illustration of Abraham for that. Because they had their faith anchored in Abraham and they looked to their father, Abraham, and he was letting them know that Abraham was justified by faith as well. You say, how was it, how was it possible? Listen, this, this justification by faith that Paul was teaching was nothing new. In fact, it was all the way from the beginning of time. And we see this in Genesis 15, 6, where it lets us know that Abraham believed God. He simply believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now think about that. He didn't do anything but simply believe God and by his faith anchored in what God had promised him, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. See, we have to remember that God pulled Abraham out of idolatry. Remember that. Abraham, he pulled Abraham out of idolatry and he made him this promise. It wasn't because Abraham was some great man that he chose him. He pulled him out of idolatry. Grace chose him just like grace chooses you and it chooses I to follow him. Amen. And so when God found you and I, we were ungodly. Just as he, Abraham was ungodly, you and I were ungodly. See, the ungodliness of Abraham's nature uh, is the nature of all man. And it's called the sin nature. And that sin nature is a nature that is desiring to do opposite of what God would have man to do. I have an eight and a half month old son and we look at our babies and we look at our children and we say they're so innocent and they are. But yet my son possesses the sin nature because he come from me and because I come from my father and all of us come from our father's standing all the way back to Adam. We are plagued with the sin nature. Sin is the problem of the world today. Many people think it's guns. Many people think it's a race problem. Many people think it's a Republican issue, a Democrat issue. Let me tell you, the problem of the world today is none of those things. The problem of the world today is sin. 
And the only cure, the only remedy for the sin problem is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, for the preaching of the cross is to them who perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. Why is it the power of God? Because we've seen the power of sin broken off of our lives. We've seen the direction that we were going in. We knew the life that we were living and nothing else could change us. We had tried everything else. I have talked to those that have been bound by alcohol and those that have been bound by drugs and they tried everything that you can think of underneath the sun to break the bondage, to break the addiction. But when they said yes to Jesus Christ, right then and there, the power of sin was broken off of their life. Let me tell you, there's more power in one drop of his precious blood than anything that you can ever find in this world. The blood of Jesus still works, amen? And so just simply believing is what merited Abraham the righteousness of God and is the exact same way today. God has never had five ways or ten ways or a hundred ways of salvation. It has always been one way and one way only and that is by evidence and faith in Christ and what he would do. Well, you may say, well, Christ wasn't around when Abraham lived. That's right. He wasn't in the Old Testament. But Hebrews chapter 11 as we know is, is the great uh, faith chapter, faith's hall of fame and all of these individuals, we see the same common denominator with all of them and it was by faith. By faith they did these things, by faith, all, all exhibiting faith in the coming Redeemer that would come. It was faith in Christ, futuristic, that saved them. Now it is faith in the past of what Christ has done that saves us. That we are saved the same way that they were saved. They were looking toward the future. We now look to the past of the one who would come and take away the sin of the world. Amen. And so Abraham staggered not at unbelief at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith giving glory to God. He didn't stagger at the promise that God had given him. He did not stagger. And there were times where he got weak, but he believed that. Uh, chapter 4 and uh, verse 20 of Romans says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And let me tell you something. That is what counts. It is, again, not your performance or mine, but it is the performance of Christ that matters. And as long as you keep your faith, that right there is what will get you across the finish line. Faith in Christ and not letting go. Christ, he knew he would fail. Jesus looked at Peter and he knew that he was going to fail. And he said, but I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. It wasn't that Peter wouldn't fall and wouldn't fail. He knew he was going to fail. He knows you and I are going to fail. But what he's praying for, what he's interceding upon mine and your behalf tonight, that in the midst of trials, and let me tell you, trials and tribulation storms come, but they come to test our faith. And what he's praying for is that we would not quit believing, but that we would continue to believe God, that we would continue to trust Christ and what he did in the midst of all the chaos that is going on. My faith is solid and is anchored in Christ and what he's done. And I'm not shifting it away from anything to anything else, but I'm anchoring it solely in him. Amen. And furthermore, how can the law justify one? When Abraham, the law wasn't even existent when Abraham was around. 
The law wouldn't come for another 400 years from the time that he made Abraham this promise. Abraham wasn't saved by the law. He was saved again by faith. And that's why Paul used Abraham as an illustration, let you know that it was justification then and it's justification now. Amen. And so Abraham again believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Let me tell you, works cannot accomplish the worth of his grace. His grace is immeasurable. His grace is greater than anything. You cannot measure His grace. And there are no works and there is no ceremonies whatsoever that could ever accomplish the worth of His grace. You could work your entire life, do all of the good deeds that you want to do. But doing those things and faith in those things will not secure you eternity with Him. It is only faith in Christ and what he's done. You see, the day you and I say yes to him and we made him Lord of our lives, we were given his righteousness. And Paul said if we believe on him that he was raised from the dead and delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. You see, Christ died on Calvary's cross and bore each and every one of our sins. All of the sins of the entirety of the world, he bore it. And there, justice was satisfied because the wrath of God, the judgment of God that should be coming upon you and I doesn't have to fall upon you and I now, but it fell upon Christ who became the sin offering for you and I so that now we could go free. And three days after he died and he said, it is finished, he came up out of that grave. They went looking for him and they couldn't find him because he was raised up. Why? Because the justice of sin had been satisfied. And because he raised up, then you and I now can be raised in newness of life. That when we say yes to Jesus Christ, the old man dies and we get buried with him, and now a new man comes forward. Let me tell you, the resurrection was never in doubt. The resurrection only ratified the work that was that done at Calvary's cross. It was a guarantee that it was going to happen. We see it with Abraham and Isaac when he told them that we're going up Mount Moriah and we're getting ready to worship, and the lad and I will come back down. Abraham knew that God would provide. That's why he is given the name Jehovah Jireh, the first name there, Jehovah Jireh, because there a ram was caught in the thicket just at the time that he was getting ready to bring the knife down to sacrifice his son. God stopped him and provided the sacrifice, which is typifying that God would provide the sacrifice to save us from our sin. And that is in Jesus, amen. Let me tell you, Christ was again offered up as a sacrifice for you and I. The blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament can never take away mine and your sin. They can never take away the sin of people. They can only act as a stopgap measure. But when John the Baptist, the greatest prophet there, the last prophet before Jesus Christ, came upon the scene and in John chapter 1 verse 29 said, Behold the Lamb of God who take away the sin of the world. He wasn't just come to cover it, but he came to take it away. What do we mean when we say take it away? It's, we mean that he came and took away past present and future. That day on Calvary's cross, he took away the past sins before him. He took away the present sin of that day, and he took away the future sins, before, uh, uh, futuristically speaking. And it's the same way for you and I. When one comes to Jesus Christ, he washes us from our past, our present, and our future sins. Amen? And let me tell you, you don't have to live a life of proving yourself to receive this. You don't have to get saved and then go on to prove yourself to man. Let me tell you, faith anchored in Christ and what he's did, even on one's deathbed, if they will say yes, Jesus Christ will receive them. 
the two thieves that were there upon the cross, one hung on each side of Jesus Christ. And one said, remember me when you come into your kingdom, when you come into your parent, when you come into the kingdom. And, and, and he, he was justified to be there. That thief deserved to be there. Both thieves deserved to be there. You and I deserve to be up on that cross. Jesus Christ did not. And the one thief looked at him and said, if you really are God, if you really are who you say you are, bring me down, bring you down. You see, he didn't truly believe. And that is what stops man from entering the heaven. It is unbelief. It is not the sin that they do. It is not their acts of sin that sends them into hell. But the reason why man dies eternally lost is because they do not simply believe. One believed there on the cross that day when he was dying and the other one did not. But thanks be to God, he looked at that one and he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Why? Moments from dying because he believed in Jesus Christ, believed who he was. I have had the opportunity, and I know that I've shared this story before, of three years ago this month that I had the privilege to be able to go to the hospice house of one that I had worked with for many years. And there she lay dying with cancer. And I knew in my heart that she was not ready to go. And the Lord opened up that opportunity. And there I was able to speak to her and give to her the words of eternal life. She wasn't able to speak. She wasn't even able to make eye contact, but yet she was there. And I told her to grab a hold of my hand with everything within me. And after presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ and after praying with her, I remember getting up and I said, Lord, did I do enough? Lord, how am I going to know? And then about that time, a tear ran down her face. And that signaled to me that she had said yes to Jesus Christ. And 36 hours later, she passed on in into heaven. She went to heaven, not because of what she done, because she didn't have no time to do good, any good works. She was there on her deathbed of affliction, but because she said yes to Jesus Christ. Because she believed, that's how powerful the grace of God is. That even if you can't utter it in words, verbally speaking, but if you can just think of it in your heart and just say the name of Jesus, that right there, grace will come in and cover. Let me tell you, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Amen. See, it's wrong then for you and I to try and go back and maintain and keep the law when in Christ we are already law keepers. In Christ, God views you and I as perfect law keepers, and we are to rest in his finished work. There are too many that are saved today, and they're trying to go out, and they're trying to now live this Christian life by the means of law. And we have all have been there. And everybody will go through that experience. But what you will find is defeat. God has now called us. Christ has now called us to come unto him. And he would give us rest. And let me tell you, that coming to him is not a one-time coming to him. It is a continual coming to him to receive the rest that he has for you and I. You and I are to simply rest each and every single day in Christ and what he's done. But we've got to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow him daily. Meaning that we have to lay ourselves down and say, Lord, I can't do this. And then me dwelleth no good thing. But Lord, I look to you. I believe in what you've done. And I trust in your finished work on Calvary. My faith is there. And there the Holy Spirit is able to live in us and move in us and bring us in to the character and conform us into the image of Christ. You see, Christ paid a debt that he did not owe. And I owed a debt that it could not pay. You see, if works could save us, then that would signal that Christ, that God was in debt to you and I. And make no mistake about it, God is not in debt to you. He's not in debt to me. He is in debt to no man. 
That is why it is grace. We cannot work for something. It is the gift of God. You do not work for something. When someone gives you a gift, you don't turn right around and try to pay them for it. If they took that payment, then it would cease to be a gift. We give gifts because we love people. And God gave the greatest gift that day. He gave the greatest gift to all of humanity. And all we have to do is simply receive it and accept it. Amen. So now, as a person that is justified by my faith, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. When the children of Israel were commanded to go into the house and they were told to put the blood at the doorposts, and the death angel was going to come by and kill there, the firstborn the, and the house like that. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And let me tell you something. As long as they stayed in the house, they were safe. That signals to you and I that as long as we stay in Christ, we are safe. It doesn't matter the failure. It doesn't matter what happens. And God forbid that we should sin and grace may abound. Absolutely not. A justified person is not going to want to live a life of sin. A justified person will always be moved to be a sanctified person. Because you've now got God the Holy Spirit living inside of you to weed out the, the, the dross, if you will, to get rid of the junk that is there, to bring your condition up to your position in Christ. You see, positionally, we are in Christ. We are perfect. We are up here. We are right there, holy, innocent people. But our condition is way down here. And the Holy Spirit is ever working on mine and your behalf to bring our condition up to our position in Christ. But we can be confident of this very one thing, that he that has begun a good word shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. So justification Again, it's by faith. I think of the woman that was caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8. She was drugged out there in front of everybody. These by these self-righteous Pharisees that thought they were holy and righteous. She was literally caught in the act of adultery. And by the law, it demanded death. Law demanded that she die. But Jesus Christ looked at him and said, He that is without sin, cast the first stone. Let me tell you something. You and I need to be very careful of where we're casting stones at tonight. It is very easy to nitpick and to pull this and that out of the other person. But as that old saying says, when you got one finger pointed, you got three more pointing back at you. None of us are without sin. None of us are. And then he looked at the woman that was called and said, woman, where are thine accusers? And she said, Lord, there is none. When she said the word Lord, she was evidence and faith that he was the Messiah. And that right there is what allowed him to turn right around and look at her and say, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He was able to send her away. Why? Because just a few short time later, he was getting ready to pay the debt for her sin so that she can now live. And when he told her to go and sin no more, how was it possible? Because the power of sin had been stripped off of her life. That is why you and I now can walk free in Christ because not only is he paid and taken away the penalty for our sins so that we don't have to die and go to hell, but he has also stripped away the power of sin so that you and I don't have to be gripped by the power of sin so that you and I don't have to be ruled by the sin nature. Let me tell you, you and I were prisoners. We were prisoners. We were chained by sin, but Jesus Christ broke that power of the chains and now we're claimed. 
Amen. You were chained, but now you're claimed. Hallelujah. I was chained, but now I've been changed, and now I am claimed. Amen. I'm claimed because of my faith in Christ and what he's done. You were chained in sin. You were bound by sin. You remember the day that when Jesus Christ found you, you didn't go looking for him. He came looking for you. And you remember the day and all of that sin that you were in and you were going down for the last time. But Jesus Christ came and rescued you. He pulled you out of that miry clay. He broke the power, the chains that was around you. And now you are claimed. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High King. I said it the other night in a sermon. God don't have no grandchildren. He only has sons and he only has daughters. And if you're saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ and your faith is in him, you are a son and a daughter of the Most High King. And that means you are a partaker of him. You have the inheritance because of your elder brother. Amen. So the conclusion has to be made. That's why Paul said, therefore, being justified, everything that I have told you, we have to now come to the conclusion that one is not justified by works, but one is justified by faith, therefore being justified by faith. It is faith alone, the only ingredient, the only ingredient that is required to be saved, faith in Christ and what he's done. And because we have come to the conclusions that works doesn't save a man, and we use illustrations of Abraham, we use illustrations of David, that even through failure, there was still justification. And so now we've got to come to the conclusion that one is justified by faith and faith alone. And because of that, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to be able to get through all of this message, but let me tell you something. We've got peace. What is that peace? It is justifying peace because before coming to Christ, you and I were at enmity with God. You and I had a divide there between you and God. There was a divide that was there. There was a divide that was there between me and God. There was enmity there because there was sin upon my behalf. And God cannot whatsoever allow and deal with sin. And he cannot pass it by. It has to be judged. It has to be dealt with. And we can either allow Christ to deal with our sin now by evidence and faith. Or we can be dealt with it on the day that we stand before him at the great white throne of judgment. But let me tell you, if you've been saved and your faith is in Christ, you're not going to stand to the great white throne of judgment. You're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ because your sins has already been judged and paid for at Calvary. Amen. So now this peace that you and I have comes being justified by our faith. The world is searching for that peace. They are looking for it in all of the wrong places. They go and they try to find it in alcohol. They try to find it in drugs. They try to find it in sexual immorality. They try to find it in you name it. They try to find it there, but they will never possess that peace because that peace with God only comes through one person. And that is the mediator. In order to be a mediator, there has to be three people. There's God, there's you, and there's the mediator, Jesus Christ. And he is the one who mediates upon our behalf. And he presents us before the Father says, this is one of mine. And we are presented as spotless and as blameless because our faith has been anchored in him. Because we've been baptized, as Paul said, unto his death. You see, justification is the action of a judge declaring a prisoner innocent. 
See, we were prisoners, but now we've been declared innocent. We don't say anything. We don't do anything. But the judge, all upon his own, declares us innocent. Meaning not just not guilty. I've said it before. Not guilty means charges have been brought against you. But there just wasn't enough evidence to convict you. But when one is innocent, innocent, that means all the charges have been dropped. There's none. There's a clean slate. You and I had charges. You and I had so much sin. But Jesus Christ washed them away. And now we are declared innocent. We are viewed by God as never having sinned a day in our life. That is the righteousness of God that has been given unto us. That we must possess, that we must have in order to be at peace with him. John 14, 27, Jesus will say, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, but give I unto you. This peace is... The world cannot give to us. We know that. And if you're watching on here tonight and you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about and you don't know this peace that I'm talking about, let me tell you, you can have it just like that by just simply calling upon the name of the Lord. You can possess the peace that I have that many around you that serve the Lord has. Peace there with God to where you can lay your head down tonight and know that it is well with your soul. Let me tell you, that is peace that passes all understanding, and it only comes from Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, Muhammad can't give you this peace. Buddha can't give you this peace. But only Jesus Christ, his peace he has given unto you and I. Let me tell you, sin will never produce peace whatsoever. But sin will only produce more problems and keep the divide between you and God. But Jesus Christ has conquered the divide and is the bridge that brings us together. Amen. Let me leave you with this last scripture. It says Hebrews 13 and 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Amen. He is the great shepherd through the blood of the everlasting covenant. You've got an everlasting covenant with God. When you said yes to Jesus Christ, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You've got an everlasting covenant that will always have everlasting peace that will carry us through this life and on into the life to come when we go to be with Jesus forever and forever. Amen. We are justified by our faith and now we have peace through the one person that only can bring that peace and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, when we say the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't separate the work from him. When you talk about the cross, you're talking about Jesus Christ. When you mention the name of Jesus, you're thinking of the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ, the way he can be Lord to you, the way he can be Lord to me is through what he did at Calvary's cross. And by faith in him and him alone and not of ourselves and not of works, you and I can be justified. Amen. I thank you for being here tonight. The time flies by. It's been 40 minutes, but I am so thankful that you've joined with us and, and, and studying this about justification by faith. And, and we may spend one more week on it next week. Not sure which way the Lord will, will lead us. But if not, we will start divulging into the sin nature. Because there's so many questions that people have and not understanding that after they get saved, why is it that there is still sometimes that nature to do wrong? And that's because they don't understand the sin nature that lies within. But we'll get into that next week. But I love you. Thank you all 
for joining us tonight, and I pray that it has been a blessing to you. Tell someone about Jesus. You've got the remedy. Tell them about it, because let me tell you, hearts right now, the soil of their hearts is being told up. They're looking for an answer, and you possess the answer. You possess it, so give it to them. Give to them the remedy for their problem. Give to them the solution. And I promise you, you will be richly, richly blessed. And God knows how many people you will be able to win to the Lord. Amen. We love you. We're praying for you. Pray for us. Continue to lift our nation up. Continue to lift our government officials up. And let's believe God together that there will be a cure and a solution in the end to this coronavirus. Amen. We love you. And God bless.